she had like her feathered late 80s hair uh-huh. and her members only club jacket. Right. So Amanda, Olivia, get your detective hat. journal hat, hat and hat on and notepad. That's notepad what I was and pen. Get your detective notepad, your spyglass, your spyglass, your, your fake your, mustache, your tailored <laughs> two-piece suit. Is that our thing? Your shiniest convertible. Yes, your shiniest convertible. Your doofy boyfriend and your insecure best friend who lives in your shadow. And your maid, who because today will help you make good choices. Because <laughs> <laughs> today we are talking about Nancy Drew with Margaret from our administration office. This was a delightful conversation. Did you think? I thought it was a wonderful conversation. I also think it was great that Margaret <laughs> shared the books with her children. So that should bring another element to our conversation. I know, and I think we should also mention that she brought some killer old books. Like, we'll put some pictures so Mm -hmm. everybody can see the old covers of the books. Mm -hmm. I feel like you can smell those pictures because they smell like the old-timey books. Mm -hmm. Kind of that basement, funky basement smell. (laughs) Like, that books get in a good way. In in a a good good way. way. And we should also maybe mention, maybe we did during the podcast, we covered a couple different Nancy Drews. So we're all bringing something different to the table today. Sure thing. Giddy up. So when I was young, probably, I don't know, like seven, eight years old, I started reading all the Nancy Drew books that were in a big dresser in my grandma's basement that were my mom and my aunts. And I remember going over there, spending the night on the weekend and reading two or three books and I loved them. They were fun. Nancy was adventurous. She Mm -hmm. was smart she had a convertible. Oh my gosh. You know, she, she was, was like just, a living Barbie. Yes. A convertible. Exactly. Everything you wanted to be as as an eighteen year old when you were seven or eight. That even seems like a Nancy Drew kind of story. Like Nancy Drew and the dresser in the basement. Yes, it does. <laughs> <laughs> Except there would have been a will. <laughs> yeah. Some valuable jewels stashed right. in there. Right. And like a Maybe, dagger. Oh, with too a bad I still don't hilt. have that dresser. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I know. What I always wanted when I was young, because I loved mystery stories, was I just wanted someone in my life, like an aunt or like an old great grandma or something that had a house with like a secret passage in it or like yeah. secret stuff in the walls and never, no, it never happened Me either. Right. And really? Same. Yeah. You Where are to these be, houses? I always thought it'd be fun to solve a mystery just so you'd be like super helpful and people would be like, wow, she's so smart. <laughs> Didn't happen. I was not good at solving mysteries. <laughs> no. Still as an adult, when I read mysteries, I'm like, shouldn't be a cop. Probably chose the right profession because well, I can never figure out who the bad guy is. I can never either. And I feel like I would be a horrible witness too because I never remember when anything happens. Yes. I'd be like, details. where were you? Yes. Like, what did they look like? Um, 
a person. I, <laughs> I was thinking totally about myself and not about that person. So I don't know what that person looks I, like. I listen to enough crime podcasts that I feel like if I see somebody acting suspicious, I try and remember their license plate number. You do. Oh, I do. But then could I tell you what, if it was a man or a woman driving? No. I focus on the car. I'm like, it's a red car. Okay. They're acting weird. It's a Dodge ends in <laughs> 1981. Why? This actually makes me think of why, because I liked Nancy Drew too, because the Rochester Library was my home library, and I know I read the yellow ones. Okay. And I knew- Mystery stories, the originals. The mystery stories, yeah, but they're the, we'll get into the whole history of it, but they were like, so I know they were the yellow cover ones. And then as I got older, I know I read the like, I think it was the Nancy Nancy Drew Files, the ones that were published in the 80s. Mm-hmm. I read those as well. Yeah. So I would have been like junior high, middle school age. Yeah. And what I remember about those is they kind of made it to compete. I felt like it was like the Sweet Valley High version yes. of yes. Nancy Drew. Yes. And I remember even the covers, like she had like her feathered late 80s hair uh-huh. and her members only club jacket right. and her yes. jordash jeans and her jordash she, it was, mom jeans yeah it was very like there was more romance and gossip and it was very uh late 80s sweet valley high-ish I was actually trying to prepare for this today. I went and Googled um, Nancy Drew book covers and you can, um, you can tell kind of what decade they, the book was maybe re-released based on the cover art or with the later spinoff series that we'll talk more about later when they came out roughly because yeah, you have the feathered hair. There were a couple ones that I think came out in the fifties where she has more of the that 50s flippy hair and her outfits were more conservative and it's so interesting Mm -hmm. to me that you can go back and look at that and I feel like everybody that you talk to about Nancy Drew will be like oh yeah we had the yellow covered ones or we had the ones we had old copies which were the still the leather ones in our library and everything I mean we still have the the yellow ones here at Troy yeah we have the yellow ones and these ones were re-released in the 80s and they're still in good shape so kind of amazing we should probably just do a little bit of the history first before we get mm-hmm. into it. So um, the original books were written in the 30s by um, Carolyn Keene, which is the team of ghostwriters who were writing the books. And it was the same company. And Amanda, you'll know the guy's name, Edward Stratemeyer. Edward Stratemeyer's company. It was called Stratemeyer Literary Syndicate. And he wrote like the Hardy Boys books. Mm-hmm. Hardy Boys, uh, Tom Swift series, the Bobsy Twins. Yeah, And um, those ghostwriters actually wrote across, not just the Nancy Drews, but they also helped in the Hardy Boys. They also did some of the Bobsy Twin series as well. So I think it was like at least three ladies in the beginning. It kind of reminds me of like TV shows now, how they have like yeah. a team of writers who write the stories. What are you going to say, Mary? Right. I was just going to say, and if you read both, because I, I've been reading some of the Hardy Boys that my husband had in his basement box. Um, they're very similar, mm-hmm. very, there's a lot of similarities with, you know, the slang, oh, Nancy and her chums and, uh-huh. and Frank and what's the other kid's name? Frank and Joe, Frank and Joe, no. the Hardy boys. I'm going to look right now. And their chums and, you know, just those old references from the thirties and forties. And you get a lot of the same language when, and the same kind of scenarios too. the mystery scenarios kind of play out very similar. Really? Mm-hmm. Oh no, Frank you were Joe. right. Frank and Joe. Frank and Joe. For some odd reason, I don't remember. Joe's Those are the Hardy boys. Yeah. Those are the, the Hardy, Hardy boys. boys. Yeah. 
Okay, so in the 30s, they were first written. And then Edward Stratemeyer Stratemeyer dies. And in like the 50s through the 70s, his daughter sort of takes the helm, Harriet Adams. And they are heavily revised. They revised the books that were already written. And then Harriet starts writing new ones. And they edited them for a number of reasons. It looks like they wanted to make them shorter because they're cheaper to publish if they're shorter and kids' attention spans were already getting shorter at that time. They made Nancy 18 instead of 16 in the original series. She was 16. And they changed Nancy's character a lot, which we can talk about. And they also wanted to edit out the racism in the books. Did you notice that when you were a kid, Margaret, that there was those stereotypes in there? Or, I no? didn't. No, you, you know, have as a kid. I, I really didn't. And my guess is, is that I the ones that I read were published in the 50s and 60s, and some of mm. them before, I think, 1959 was when they started taking out the racism and revising them to be 180 pages. And I didn't notice it as a kid. The thing that did stick with me as a kid and is still in the books. I don't think they took them out of the yellow copies. I'll I'll see if you read this or not, Amanda, Mm -hmm. was all of the body shaming that they did to poor Bess. Poor Bess. Bess does not appear in my book. So we should mention that too. so she isn't in the first, yeah. Yeah, we should mention that too to get a more well-rounded sort of Nancy Drew perspective. Each of us read a different book in the series so i actually read book number two which is the hidden staircase best comes later in this one it's her friend helen corning that goes on the adventures with her and because i i never read any of the other books i don't know if she appears in the later stories Mm -hmm. which ones did you guys read um i read the phantom of pine hill which is number 42 okay and i read the mystery at the moss covered mansion which was number 18. And very alliterative. I think Bess and George came in, I want to say around books five, six or so. It was a little while before Bess and George came in. And George is a girl as well. George is a girl. Bess and George are cousins and they're Nancy's two BFFs Mm -hmm. and they help her in solving all the mysteries. And poor Bess is always referred to as pretty and plump. And uh, on a diet, and there's a, a lot always on a diet. And the thing is, when you <laughs> then you look at the illustrations in the books, and she looks the same size, totally as Nancy, exactly the same. Mm-hmm. So that confused me too. <laughs> She's <laughs> like trying to get rid of those extra five pounds. Five pounds the right. whole and George series. is like, you know, My knocking donuts out of her hands. Chubby compared to Nancy's, <laughs> right? But I mean, how could anybody compare to Nancy when you're reading yeah. these books? You're like, clearly Nancy is the alpha. Yeah. You know, she's she's the... She looks like she's probably a size four based on the drawings. And there was Nancy, for some odd reason, they decide to try on colonial era clothing in my, ver- in my book. <gasps> And she's like, oh my, they had such tiny waist back then. And I'm like, you you're, you look like you're a size four in these pictures. So I'm sure the clothing will fit, which it does, of course. Olivia, what number did you read? I forget. I read number me. 12, The Message in the Hollow Oak. And that had Bess in it and George in it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is interesting to think about these edited versions because I looked up 
the original story, just like mm-hmm. a synopsis of the original story that was written in the 30s, as opposed to the one I read, which was written in the 70s. Completely, same title, completely different stories. Mm-hmm. Bess and George are in it. I think she talked a couple of times about her diet, but it wasn't as blatant as it was mm-hmm. in my memory. But she was always cooking, and she was always mm-hmm. making everybody these elaborate, like, desserts with the gelatin and the... Mm-hmm. Um, I was sending yes. her, I was sending Olivia screenshots this weekend while I was reading this, because the the food that they mentioned making, of course, is of its time, right? So right. The, my, my book was written in 1930. I think there were four that came out that first year. And, you know, someone made a gelatin salad and, and a floating island, right? Was that the dessert? Yeah. A floating oh, island, yeah. which is like a meringue-based thing. I had to keep Googling what these desserts were. Mm. And it was funny because they they'll be solving the crime and they'll be like stressing out because they're sure that there's a ghost in, in the hidden staircase. They think there's a ghost in Helen Corning's great grandmother's house and they'll be all concerned and oh my gosh oh my gosh and then all of a sudden Helen Corning's like well I'm hungry we should stop for lunch and I'm like what what the amount of eating that happened in this book so I think it's interesting that the fat shaming comes later because Nancy and Helen Corning her buddy in this book have some very healthy appetites they have like these full course meals that they're preparing I'm like I'm impressed guys okay and everyone also has a housekeeper That was the other thing that struck me. I'm like, okay, so, you know, in my mind, you always try to picture River Heights, right? What is River Heights like? Is it like Troy? Is it like an urban, you know, setting? It's by a river, so. Right, and there's always all these cliffs that people are falling off of and, you know, (laughs) or driving off of. And, you know, so you're trying to imagine what River Heights is like, but you're like, well, obviously River Heights is like well to do because everybody has a housekeeper. The funny thing is, is I was, you know, trying to read all of this stuff to prepare for today. And somebody on one of these um, Nancy Drew wikis, and there's a ton of them and there's a ton of articles out there and it's, you could go down so many rabbit holes. And I actually found something really funny I wanted to share with you guys. Um, someone said that Nancy Drew was semi-affluent. And I was like, you're not semi-affluent when you have a, you have a housekeeper. She drives a convertible at age 16 mm-hmm. in the early books. Her dad's an attorney. You know, she goes and does whatever she wants. And she always is going out and doing these things. And she obviously doesn't have a job as a teenager. It's like, she's not semi-affluent. And I did some reading about River Heights because they mention in this book, at least that her dad goes to Chicago. So I kept searching. The book never says where they live. But then a couple of the wikis said that they definitely live in the Midwest, which I thought was interesting because, again, we don't have we have hills here. We don't have Mm -hmm. mountains in the Midwest. So these cliffs, I'm like, I'm trying to figure out what part of Illinois they'd be living in because I lived in Illinois. So I'm like, where are their cliffs? Because someone said, oh, they're set in Illinois. And I'm like, this is not set in Illinois. Where are their cliffs? I'm like, are they are they in North Dakota maybe? Are there some <laughs> in the Badlands? I don't know. Yeah. Um, but I thought that was really funny too. I think it's like one of those generic, sometimes I feel like media, movies, whatever, kind of yes. use Chicago when they yes. want to use the affluent Midwestern mm-hmm. town, like adventures and yeah. babysitting and home alone. Yes. Like you see these giant yes. houses that, you know, are in suburbs of Chicago, yeah. but then like there's all these surrounding things to make the storyline exciting that don't really exist. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, hmm, okay, Nancy Drew. I also thought it was interesting that they wanted to set it in the Midwest because as far as I know, the publishing house was, it was either in New York or California. I can't remember. I didn't write it down. So I love 
that certain time periods, it's like the Midwest is seen as like this wholesome yeah. area so, during certain times in the United States. Now, I did read in some research that Mildred Benson, who was the ghostwriter for like 23 of the books, okay. her spouse was the editor for the Toledo Blade. Oh, interesting. So that would put them Midwest. Okay. There would get There would be a Midwest spin to sure. it. Yeah, she was interesting. So I kind of did a deep dive on her on Mildred Wirt Benson. Wirt is a great middle, like maiden name. Mildred Wirt was her Wirt. her given name. So I was thinking when you guys are talking about the sort of ambiguous setting, I wondered if that was maybe the result of having so many cooks in the kitchen with these books and having mm-hmm. so many like. Could be. And Nancy too is also sort of an ambiguous character. Like she's mm-hmm. perfect in every way. But I don't really get a good sense of who she is other than just being picture perfect. And mm-hmm. and so I read about this, Mildred Wirt, and she was... So the big change when they edited the story was in the original 1930s books, Nancy was like a hot-headed, angry. She could be very judgmental. She had a gun. She was like an intense, like... Gut. Is, are those the books you read, Margaret? So the oldest book that I have is 1941 i believe okay one that i grabbed these books because i saw a bunch of nancy drew books on our free shelf several years back and having a daughter about the right age at the time i scooped them up Mm -hmm. and they're completely tattered and they were from a local elementary school that was getting rid of them and one of them is um a 1941 version that's the oldest one i have okay it might have been one of the originals because it looks like they didn't start editing until the 50s right so So this one is definitely because there's a lot of racism in this one yeah (laughs) yeah yes you can definitely see why they made the changes they did it's just sort of unfortunate that they also changed her personality changed nancy so they changed so so one of the articles i read said that she started out like she would say things hotly and angrily and she'd yell and she would be like this tough person, which was very reflective of Mildred. Mildred was also like that. She was the first woman to get her master's degree in yes. journalism from the University of Iowa. You did that. You I, looked, I saw that. Yes. Um, and she's very impressive. Yes. She was like a tough cookie. And that's kind of nice that there was this like real character of Nancy. And then in the 50s. Mm-hmm they kind of started making her reflect the times. Um, Did you want to say anything more about Mildred, Margaret, what you learned? Pretty much the same things you did that. It seemed like Mildred was really kind of a pioneer. And and she kind of um, made Nancy's personality very spontaneous and much more aggressive Mm -hmm. than I think in the later versions. She was more law-abiding in the later version. Yes, law-abiding. Sure. I like that. Yeah, let's get the police involved was yeah. a lot, where she was taking off on her own. Speaking of law-abiding, I had to laugh a couple times. I should have marked, like I saw you have little post-it notes in there. I should have marked it, but there were a couple times where she's going to do something. Oh, her friend, um, in this one, there's they think there's a ghost and there's an old abandoned house next door and Nancy wants to go in it and look around. But she's like, her friend's like, yeah, let's go in there and look around. And she goes, well, we should do it the lawful way. And let's ask the real estate agent if he can take us in there. And I'm like, yeah, right. You would just, if you were a kid, you would totally just be like, oh, it's abandoned. Let's bust in totally. there. So it was really yeah. funny that they made a point 
of saying that several times in this, well, let's do it the lawful way. And that's and in the like, hidden staircase. The hidden staircase, which is number two. And again, this is a 1987 re-copyrighted. Um, uh, it was re-copyrighted in 1987. So this is definitely a cleaned up version versus yeah. if I found one from the 30s, I'm sure it would be much saltier Nancy Drew, which I would have enjoyed as a kid. Yeah. For sure. Yes. Yeah. One of the articles I read there is a quote about her sort of malleability and mm-hmm. um it says her near so this was in electric literature it says her near perfection makes her inhuman which in turn makes her easily adaptable to the standards of perfection as they shift over time mm-hmm. the truth is it's not nancy readers fall in love with but the idea of her and the ideal she represents bravery justice and independence and then there was another one um someone else was kind of talking about why girls like Nancy and it said what she offered American girl oh this was in the Smithsonian magazine what she offered American girls was a sense of resourcefulness she taught us to signal SOS with a tube of lipstick to break out of a window using spike heels and to always keep an overnight bag in our car a girl never knew when she'd encounter a sudden overnight sleuthing adventure real life kidnapping victims have said that Nancy Drew's stories inspired them to use their wits to escape successful women in law enforcement said nancy drew led them to their careers it was like an empowering thing did you feel that way oh absolutely yeah yeah you know you always read books and you're like oh this door's locked can i use a bobby pin yeah yeah a credit card or oh my god we unlocked a door once with a credit card when i was in college and we were locked out and i was like i saw this in a movie once so we took like um we didn't use a proper credit card i think we use like back when blockbuster was still oh, around yep. and we were, i took my blockbuster card because i'm like i want my credit card to break in half if this doesn't work and, and you yeah. totally had fines we totally jimmy, jimmy did open right and uh so my friend's like oh my god i can't believe that works and i'm like sometimes the movies are accurate that must have been such an empowering it moment. really was because we were up north we were like four hours from here and we locked our keys in um the place we were staying so and this was back when we had cell phones, but I think our cell phones were locked in there too because we'd gone out. We were having a fire in the bonfire pit, and somehow, had we not had a wallet with us, we would have been in a real pickle. So, mm. in the middle of nowhere, it was super Nancy Drew. But yeah. Um, so some of the articles I was looking at, they were talking about famous people who said that um, Nancy Drew was an inspiration for them, and they they mentioned former first ladies like Hillary Clinton, Laura Bush. Um, they mentioned some of our Supreme Court justices, Sonia Sotomayor, um, Sandra Day O'Connor. And I think it's interesting because I feel like you can have a conversation go both ways. I feel like Nancy Drew could have been this really empowering voice for you when you were a kid. But then I feel like when you read it as an adult, it's easier to pick it apart and say, okay, you know, there's the body shaming, there's um, this idea of like a really perfect female character that we all know is, you know, it's unrealistic to believe that anyone's going to be perfect so i think it's interesting when people reflect back on it having read them as a kid what their experiences it would be when you were a kid and you just loved it and you didn't really think much about it because you didn't think much about stuff and i feel like when we grew up we were less educated about racism and things that kids nowadays um 
are more aware of. So I think we were kind of just blind in a certain way because of the time we were reading these things. But Margaret, did you have a different experience reading these as an adult? I know you read them with your daughter. Mm-hmm. This was probably maybe seven or eight years ago. Okay. And like and I said, was her I, experience too, I guess I'm curious. She loved the books. Okay. Now we started, she was young enough that we were reading them aloud. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. we'd sit together, you know, at bedtime and, me or my husband would read aloud a chapter or two a night to uh-huh. her. So we were doing a lot of editing that uh, we didn't know that I didn't notice when I read the sure. originals when I was a kid. Sure, so it yeah. was then about seven or eight years ago that I was like, oh my gosh, this is terrible. Yeah. <gasps> I read these, like some mm-hmm. of these references are just, just straight up racist. Yeah. And the, the comments, you know, to Bess and you know then you pick up on some of the things like I'm like okay so how come they're going to all these fraternity parties with Ned and his friends and yet they're 18 and they're just driving around in a convertible solving mysteries shouldn't they be at college like Mm. you know so you see how things have progressed Mm -hmm. um so I did a lot of editing when I was doing the reading aloud but then she did end up checking out books on her own once Mm -hmm. she became a stronger reader and of course she would come here to library and get the 1959 plus version yeah (laughs) so (laughs) I didn't have to worry about it as much but you know even now we're starting to read them with my younger kids and the Hardy Boys too Mm -hmm. and you know we're just doing a lot of editing on our own sure but I think they still have value I mean the characters are still strong it's still a strong, independent person. I mean, you think about all the places Nancy goes, mm-hmm. and I mean, most kids don't have the means to do this, but, you know, she's she's traveling all over the world. Yeah. Her dad's mm-hmm. like, oh, I got a clue on a, on a, I'm trying to track down this woman who got left in a state and she's missing, but I have to go here for this lawyer thing. So can you and Bess and George hop on a plane and go across the country and check this out for me? Um, so, you know, the fact that she's doing all these fun and exciting things and traveling around the world and has the freedom to do this Uh is, it makes it worthwhile. Totally. Um, you know, and, and the other thing that I picked up on, I really like that her dad has such confidence in her Mm -hmm. and even her boyfriend, Ned, who comes across as kind of a little bit of a frat boy buffoon Mm -hmm. but you know he still is like i know you'll figure it out and get to the bottom of this and you know he he has confidence in her and it's it's i liked that about it the boy she goes out with in book two is dirk oh Oh. i know it's quite a name dirk Dirk. i think of um that movie with um what's his face marky mark (laughs) unfortunately yeah i know i i remember loving nancy drew when i was young i thought she was the coolest yeah, there was something about her not having her mom, too, where I was like, clearly she's like an independent woman. She doesn't need any... What? Reading this as an adult without the mom character in there, I was thinking about it. It kind of, as an adult, wouldn't have picked up on this as a kid. I was thinking about that whole, um, like, Disney movies, yeah. the earlier right. ones, how the, right. there's always one parent that's absent. Right. absent and it's usually me. the mom? And it is. And I feel like it has to be that way for Nancy Drew to have the freedom to be the detective, because I feel like at that time period and her being from an affluent family, there would be certain expectations on her. Again, I'm reading this as an adult, never would have thought these things as a kid, but I kind of felt like the mom has to be absent so she can be on the adventures. And I feel like the dad's more laid back 
than a mom might be with a daughter at that time period where he's like, yeah, jump on a plane right. and help me find some clues. It's like, what? This could be dangerous. Your kid could die. So that was like one thing as you were talking. The other thing I was thinking about too is, okay, so kids literature nowadays, generally the age of the characters is roughly the age that the kids reading it are. It just, it's like you kind of naturally progress up into literature, right? That's why adult books generally feature adult characters, although sometimes there are children, like in that book room, whatever. But I thought it was interesting that Nancy starts at 16, goes to 18, but we keep these in our juvenile fiction, which is geared basically, Mm -hmm. I'd say roughly third through sixth, seventh grade in the kids department here. So I think it's interesting that Nancy Drew was always geared towards kids of an elementary slash middle grade kind of ages, but that she's older because nowadays you wouldn't see that when there's a teenage character, mm, it's, right. it's teen fiction, right? right. It's, it's young adult fiction. It's totally. not, we're not going to be pushing that because we feel like generally if it's a teen character nowadays, it's going to be more mature content. There might be like references to sex or drugs or, you know, having thoughts about those things. So it's interesting because these books are so wholesome mm-hmm. in a sense mm-hmm. and so clean that they are still aged to children and no teenager would necessarily want to read this compared Correct. to some of the yeah. newer stuff. So I think Absolutely. that's kind of interesting because these books still circulate really well in Troy. Mm. I mean, she's so aspirational. Mm-hmm. Like it's like the cool older sister or like your your babysitter, or your babysitter, yeah. the coolest. Like she can take care of you, but she's like not your mom. She's like way cooler than that. Absolutely, I'm cooler than your mom. I'm Nancy she's, Drew. She's cooler than your. Can we mom. talk about being cool? Her friend um, Helen Corning in book two gets engaged, and I'm like, wait, how old are they supposed oh. to be? Because I thought Nancy Drew was 18, <laughs> yeah. and I'm like, if they're supposed to be 16, I was like, were people getting engaged at 16? Nancy's not going to get engaged. That's it. Like sh- right, like right, no. She's not. Yeah. No, like a no this is Helen. And I was, I think I was saying to you earlier, her, her boyfriend was, oh no, I was saying this to Keegan, her boyfriend's out of the country and they get engaged and the dad's like, please don't tell anyone about this until your boyfriend comes home. And I was like, that's some solid advice, solid engagement advice, folks. That's making me think about Bess a little bit differently now Why? because- does Helen appear in the later books, or she's no, totally replaced I, by Bass and George? Yeah, I think I who did Helen, Helen make mad? Which of the authors cut her? She, out? Maybe she was too like Nancy. That's what I'm thinking. Like with the best, she was just like Nancy, just not as brave. Bass was like a foil. So Bass was like a homemaker. She was like caring about her figure and the way that women do. She was like very the boy traditional. crazy one. Boy crazy. Yeah, and there's then you have the tomboy. Yeah, and then you have the re, which is a different kind of foil. So Nancy isn't that either. She's yeah. not like a. When you, she's still like she has her Titian hair. What's Titian hair? Is it strawberry blonde? Yes. Oh, Titian they call it in the book. Yes. Titian all the time. She used to be blonde, and then they started calling it Titian. And, so, and she has her cute clothes, and on the covers, she's always like dressed up. So she's not a tomboy, and she's not a uh, Susie homemaker like Bess. Maybe her sort of ne- not like her more ambiguous self makes it so that you can be her. You know, you, she's mm-hmm. like a. You can, can identify with her, right? Her. Right. You wanna, you wanna be like that when you're her age, because yeah. you're, mm-hmm. you know, reading this when you're eight or nine, right? Yeah. Yeah. And you're like, I want to be this cool. I want to drive a convertible. I can't wait, you know, right. like to do all this cool stuff. Right. And she's this model. In the 30s, she's gunslinging and mean. In the 50s, she's 
a little bit more subdued. In the 80s, she has the feathered hair, and that's definitely when I read it. She was always skiing. Like, I feel oh, like she was yeah. always skiing. There was a lot of sports. Like, yeah. But she was always good at whatever sport they would, in some books, you know, I remember uh-huh. reading one that was about a tennis competition. <laughs> oh, okay. And, like, of course, Nancy she could go in as all. the decoy. Yeah. <laughs> she could go in as the decoy, you know, tennis pro, and, uh-huh. and not only solve the mystery, but... Win the competition while she's doing yes. so. That was mm-hmm. another really cool thing that you know she was she was good at all these sports. She was good at everything. You know, she was good at everything. She even so in the book I read, which was a trip by the way, the message of the hollow in the hollow oak. So she's trying to race to solve this mystery, mm-hmm. and there's this grown man who at the same time is trying to solve the mystery, and he doesn't want her to solve it first. So he stalks her. Mm-hmm. He tries to kidnap her. Mm-hmm. He like. And he like sits next to her on the plane and is kind of creepy to her. And he like looks through her purse. And he's like a real like stranger danger, hundred percent. Like, like just a field of red flags with this guy. He's like creepy and obsessed with her. So he would like. Mm-hmm. There was this part I laughed out loud because he's following her. He you know she sees him. He's like disappearing behind a corner. He's on the plane. He's whatever. And then at one point. <laughs> She's like doing something near a tree because they're like trying to solve this mystery. And he had hired a helicopter to fly over them. And you, there's a drawing of him like looking down with binoculars. <laughs> <laughs> it just like got a little out of hand. And she's just like chill about it. She's never really I afraid. Feel like, I feel like I should have read a later one because truly the most exciting thing is someone tries to push a car down a hill to... to Later in the book, the bad guy's like, oh, I just tried to push the car down the hill towards you and your dad to scare you. I'm like, or kill them and knock them into the water and drown them with the car on top of their bodies. But yeah. her, her dad jumped to safety. That was the most exciting thing in this. And her dad gets kidnapped. That's pretty exciting. Her dad gets but, kidnapped a lot, I yeah. remember. And she has to save him. Yes. And that's kind of a oh, cool of thing, yes. too. She like, has to like go solve the mystery mm-hmm. and save him. Your your story is a good segue into something I found on one of these. Again, there are a bajillion Nancy Drew wikis and websites people have created. Now, I don't know when this particular list was created. I don't know how accurate it is, but it made me laugh out loud. So someone on the uh, www.nancydrewsleuth.com website created a little funny list that made me laugh. Um, so it's just a few different things. They started counting how many numbers of times things happened to Nancy Drew as they read the books. So numbers of times locked in a castle tower, one. <laughs> number of times poisoned or attempted poisoning, three. Number of times car forced off the road, three. Number of times locked in an That's elevator, it. one. Number of times wanted to leave or drop a case, nine. Number of times tortured, one. Ooh. Number of times villains scare people wearing a mask outside a window, two. That actually happens in my book. It's <laughs> 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 like I, I was reading this and uh, my in-laws are visiting right now and we were both just sitting on the couch reading my mother-in-law and I and I kept just laughing she's like what now I'm like there's a guy with like an ape mask trying to scare them (laughs) I'm like this is so cheesy um number of times a villain used a bomb to harm or scare Nancy off a case four number of times Nancy's dog Togo was kidnapped or missing two 
number of times Nancy was knocked unconscious was 19. And I, Whoa, I'm i really concerned about her brain health at yeah, this point. That's it's not, like, she needs to see a specialist. You're going to, yeah. you need to, you need to wear a, like a helmet around because I'm yeah. worried about you. Um, number of times Nancy was kidnapped, 16. Yeah. Number wow. of times she was drugged or chloroformed was eight. Wow. And number of times she was nearly boiled alive was one. Boiled like, alive. What book is that in? <laughs> wow. You guys, we, we read some tame versions then, huh? Yeah, so I have to tell you that I I feel like I did know a lot more about chloroform yeah. than I should have when I was a young child. I, and did, I thought it was going to be a bigger issue. I, I did too, but mine was more like I'm going to handle people because I watched Doctor Quinn Medicine Woman as a tween, and she used it anytime she had to like knock somebody out for surgery. And I was like, that's probably going to come into play a lot in my adult years. It has not. I've never no. had to chloroform anyone, fortunately. No. But that's probably why I loved Nancy and probably why a lot of girls loved her is because you're so like especially when you're a young like teeny Mm -hmm. kind of girl you're like a prey animal like there's so many things that you're warned might happen to you you might get kidnapped or drugged or like a creepy guy might sit next to you on the plane or whatever and she just kind of dealt with it all and it didn't dissuade her yep and she didn't stop doing cool stuff just because there were some creeps like following her around outside in an ape mask. And yeah. or the guy in the airplane with the binoculars. Let's go back to that stalker creeper. I wish I I forgot the book. I wish I could have show you the illustration. I it is a, something else. I had a creeper in one of the books I read too. Really? Yeah. 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 But yeah, he um his sister was a psychic and they were posing as this young woman who was getting okay, now here's the kicker. She was they were looking for this young woman who was missing because she was set to receive this enormous inheritance mm-hmm. from an estate. And do yes, you want to know did. how much it was? How much? Enormous. Um, $50,000. Dang, $52,000. Oh, <laughs> well, what's, what year was and this? And you should have heard, this was my book from 1941. Well, so that would be And like, I mean, she was pretty. Uh, still not that much today. Right. No. But I mean, that had to make you chuckle, right? Yeah. Like she's. The Put recipient of this enormous and all these people are conspiring to steal this. I'm estate. not going to lie. If somebody 52. offered me fifty, oh, I wouldn't turn today, down. 50. I'd be pretty. I'd be pretty darn yeah, excited. No, no kidding. I wouldn't turn fifty down fifty two thousand dollars. But it is you know, so yeah. funny to read the old stuff. Yeah, <laughs> right. Oh yeah. Because you think of Doctor Evil, one million dollars. Yeah, exactly. Like, That's actually not that much money anymore. Oh, oh, <laughs> yeah. Oh. You know, Nancy just has. I'm trying to think of the right word for this, but she's just. She's so determined. Yeah. You know, to make things right, not mm-hmm. only just to, for her to solve this mystery, but for the right person to get this inheritance and for that person who's going to get this huge sum of money of right. $52,000 uh-huh. to not only live off this for the rest of their life, but to help uh, help out their elderly aunt whose uh-huh. ceiling is caving in. And, you know, is this the hidden staircase? Is that the... That's not the, the one with the little girl that's... Okay, so... No, but a, a ceiling does cave in in this one. A lot of ceilings caving in. <laughs> a lot of, like, they orphaned did. young children that are left with elderly aunts, uncles who are poverty-stricken, and Nancy has to find wills and estates yes. and stolen property so that they can yes. raise this young yeah. person. And I also read in an article... They put it in a historical context that when the books were being published, kids had just gone through essentially like the Great Depression and World War II. Mm -hmm. And so that resourcefulness was something that really appealed to them and was in their head that they had to like 
life isn't always easy. Mm-hmm. Your parents aren't always there to take care of you. They can't always shield you from hard stuff. Yeah. But you have this like resourcefulness inside you where you can protect yourself and make your own life good. And it reminded me of when I was a teen librarian and um, the Hunger Games had just came out and it was right after yes. the recession. And it was like this kids, yes. kids were being told you're not guaranteed a job when you graduate. Um, you have to, it's like a dog eat dog world out there. And then the hunger games just spoke like directly yes. to them. It makes me wonder like what, if she does adapt to the age and like reflects mm-hmm. what the kids like, I wonder what a new Nancy Drew would be like. I, she couldn't be the picture perfect blonde, mm-hmm. rich girl. I mean, she just wouldn't be right. That's not what kids necessarily aspire to Yeah. anymore that, you know, I think she'd be like artsy kind of cool social media presence yes she'd be uh what do they call them but not you? obsessed with it like it no would, what is that thing when everybody follows you on instagram you're an influencer, influencer. she'd be a she'd be a tiktok maybe influencer. a reluctant no. influencer a reluctant yeah. influencer a reluctant yeah she would post travel pictures and just talk about her mysteries in short sentences and people would be like oh my god nancy Drew. And she'd i be think like, it would have to be so mystery folk like it would have to in somehow improve her mystery skills because she would follow a bunch of like crime novelists and real investigators on um social media she'd be like a big joe kenda fan i could see her using social media to solve mysteries absolutely i was gonna say i think like Bess could be like a hacker. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, you know, like into all the yeah. technology and mm-hmm. using technology to track but people. Bess would be and, embracing her form. Oh, yes. She wouldn't be dieting nope. anymore. She'd be like maybe into hot yoga and <laughs> I'm imagining her like a, like a Lizzo type. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I could yeah. see her as an influencer. She yes. would post. Yes, she would she be would the post influencer. her like, this is what my dining room table looks like for Christmas. Mm-hmm. And she would have like all these like handmade decorations. Her outfit of the and, day. Yep. Yep. Yes. She'd be bringing the vintage recipes back. You know how it's like a really big thing right now. People are trying like the old vintage recipes. She'd be doing that, like <laughs> posting about it. Like, oh my gosh, OMG. Floating Island or whatever. Floating Island 2022. <laughs> um, yeah. I also wanted to mention, did you guys know as of April 2020, the Nancy Drew character had been adapted into over six movies? A handful of TV series. I don't know if you guys ever watched any of that. Video games. And there were two comic book series about Nancy Drew. Did you know that? One of the first movies came out in the 30s. Wow. There's one in the late 30s about Nancy wow. Drew. So we should, um, I feel like we should watch it and have a yeah. return episode. I remember a TV series with the Hardy Boys. Yes, that came out in, in the seven, 80s. 70s. Wow. And I think there might have been like a crossover <laughs> there, like with yeah. Nancy Drew. But. And there actually was, it looks like more than one. They were Ooh. called um, Nancy Drew and Hardy Boys Super Mysteries. Do you guys remember when they would do specials or super um, double editions of things in the 80s, 90s? Like, um, I remember Sweet Valley High, they would have the normal book would be, say, 180 or 200 pages, and then they would do like a super special, um, Elizabeth Solves a Mystery or something. It would be some ridiculous high school gossip drama thing, but it would be like an extra 100 page long story Mm -hmm. that would wrap in more characters. You remember those? Mm -hmm. I don't know if they still do that with kids stuff. I know they do with some of the series we have but i think cool. that's so funny that they call this a super mystery so super it's got mystery. i bet it's a little bit longer but i'd have to read that one i know the first one was called double crossing by carolyn Keene, which we know was nobody by that point <laughs> n- none of the people we mentioned because this looks like it came out in the 70s or 80s and all those people probably would have been dead 
I have one last question for Margaret because okay, let's hear it. about because you talked about this a little bit about editing the books, mm-hmm. and I don't have kids, so I just wonder how you navigate that or how people you know navigate that with kids like reading books that you loved when you were a kid Mm -hmm. that have stuff in it that you think might be do you always edit do you sometimes read it and then talk about it is there like an age where they're ready to be talking about that kind of stuff so Mm. i think right now i'm reading with my six and seven year olds and we're reading aloud as a family activity um eventually they're gonna read these books on their own so right now I'm editing, but sometimes I preface it with, you know, there are some things in this book that you're not quite ready for, ready mm-hmm. to hear. Um, when you read it on your own, you might come across some things in here that don't seem appropriate. Mm. And things were a lot different when mm. these books were written, but that doesn't make it right. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't use these types of words we don't refer to people like this this is the proper way mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. a lot has happened in the last what now 80 years mm-hmm. are we going on since these God. books yeah we're right a long time um 90 yeah 1930 you know right? yeah. but i don't know i think kids just too they just naturally have a way to tune out that kind of stuff mm-hmm. too yeah. Um, I think they get the meat out of it mm. and they're interested in the mystery. I mean, I know I did. Mm-hmm. I know I couldn't have told you what the references I read in these books were yeah. years ago. You mm-hmm. know, like yeah. I could tell you the good things about it. Um, does that make it right? No. Yeah. But I just feel like kids are still have a little bit of innocence and kind of look for the good. Mm-hmm. Right. And these these things and um, things are much different now and kids are learning this much sooner. And, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if my kids picked up one of these books and read it on their own and said to me, wow, why did they do, you know, yeah, why do they talk about this? Why person do they talk like about that? this person like this? Yeah. Or, I never heard of this word before, yeah. you know? Um, yeah. Anyway. But I think it, it brings a good opportunity for you to have these discussions. Yes. It makes sense. Kids. That was a big conversation when they were talking about the Laura Ingalls Wilder Award. Is it, you know, do we still read these books and talk about, you know, put it in historical context for kids? Mm -hmm. Some people didn't want to read the books with their kids at all. Some people, you know, know, it's like, it's tricky, but it does seem worth having the conversation Mm -hmm. at least and and bringing it up rather than pretending like it doesn't exist. Stuff like that under the rug, it's just going to make it worse right i mean yeah. i think that's what happened in the past was yeah. let's just not talk about it yeah let's just rewrite fine. the story let's and rewrite yeah. the story but you know what for some people this story happened right and yeah. i think we need to acknowledge that and educate cool rita likes yeah um so rita likes these are all from our wonderful novelist which for our troy card holders you can access on our online databases you just need to if you're not on site you would need your library card to um show that you're a troy card holder and then it'll let you in i use the novelist for k to eighth grade since nancy drew is in that um, age range and these are all going to be mystery series because obviously nancy drew is a mystery series uh the first one that came up was the dark stairs by betsy byers um a more recent one was the sammy keys series they specifically mentioned sammy keys and the hotel thief 
but the any of the books in the Sammy Keys uh, series by Wendelin von Dronen. And then a throwback, which I thought was kind of fun, was Trixie Belden series, which was very popular with some folks back in the day because much like Nancy Drew, it goes back a ways. The Trixie Belden series ran from 1948 to 1986, so not as early as Nancy Drew, and it didn't last as long. But I know I um, posted something on Facebook about reading this book and I had some friends that were like oh I loved it and I had some diehard um Trixie Belden fans that were like I didn't read Nancy Drew I did Trixie Belden and I actually didn't do either as a kid so Mm. um I did Hardy Boys that was I was a huge tomboy so Mm. I skipped Nancy Drew and went right to the Hardy Boys um little did I know same authors right like we said Mm -hmm. earlier um, so that, those were the three that I chose to focus on today. Mm. I'll let you do the adult stuff. Okay. Um, so I thought of Ruth Ware as probably one of the most popular mystery writers right now. And mm-hmm. she does these sort of classic Agatha Christie vein mysteries mm-hmm. rather than sort of like a, um, what is it? Rather than like the police procedural or anything like that. It's not like that. It's like it's just people true stuff out. mysteries. Yes. Yeah. Um, and then I also thought the um, Alan Bradley's The Sweetness at the Bottom of the Pie is the most popular one. And it has a really iconic main character. She's a young girl. These, these is, this is a series for adults. But it's a young girl. And she's kind of like a... Um, what's, it, what's the one in Parks and Rec? The Aubrey Plaza. She's like an Aubrey oh. Plaza type dark sort of yes. like character. <laughs> and she's like... She's another one April. where... April, yeah, April, April Ludgate kind of character, <laughs> where she's like a real, but she's very young, and she's a real, um, like, intense sort spitfire. of... Spitfire. Spitfire person, nothing gets to her, she kind of likes the dark and scary side of life, and she's really funny, so the books are funny, but they're also mysteries. Do you have any mysteries that you've liked? Margaret? I was just going to say, I just read The Maid, which oh, is really right. popular right mm-hmm. now, and mm-hmm. that was just a cute little mystery. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, with... By Nina Prose? Right. I yeah. believe so, yes. Yeah. And, you know, just these normal everyday people tackling this big mystery. Mm-hmm. And I think that's just so appealing yeah, it is. to a lot of mm-hmm. people. That's been on my list. I do want to read that one. Thank, Thank you, you for so picking, thinking, like, a fun, I... iconic series for yeah. us to do. I know. That was fun. We were talking earlier before we started about how much we've enjoyed, since we started doing the podcast, not only reading and revisiting some of these books or first-time visit um, for some of the books, but also just the research into yeah. the time periods the authors you know what does it mean culturally and um so this was a fun one to cover Wirt, mildred Wirt. Mildred. Man, Mildred had it going on. I love Mildred. All, Mildred I could hear, like I all I could hear in my head when you said her name was Wirt. Supermodel worked it now. <laughs> Thank you for listening to The Books We Loved, a podcast through the Troy Public Library. You can find more information about the books and library services we mentioned in the show on our website at troypl.org slash podcast. If you would like to suggest a topic for future discussion, please email us at podcast at troypl.org. Thank you for listening and happy reading.